Okay, so we were talking about you taking over the uh, the halfway house and yeah, so it, so it it's so much more than that, but uh, that that's what most people know. So yeah, so um, yeah, I was running a a ninety man recovery support services program. Um, my six month old granddaughter died. My son overdosed twice. It's also about the time that Bert died. Uh, and look, man, people can say what they want to about Bert Prentice. Um, and, and I literally, the only time I've ever walked out of a show was for him. I, I, we had a, a love to hate relationship. Um, I didn't agree with most of his business practices or anything, but he did teach me a lot of really good stuff in this business. And to be honest with you, I never would have gotten the WWE gig if it wasn't for him. Like he set that, that audition up for me and, and all stuff. So he died too. And I'd already lost my mind, man. I'd already relapsed when that happened, but I just didn't want to, I, I just didn't want to go on, man. I literally remember saying that I wanted to die with a needle in my arm and August 21st of, um, of 21 is my last day of use. Uh, actually the 20th is uh, August 21st is my sobriety date, but I wake up that morning to, um, water under me and I, I my girlfriend and I just broke up too like it was just one thing after another but I woke up to water under me and I was like man what is going on and I think it's a, a leak in the, like some kind of leak in the house or something because I'm that messed up I, there's no reason I should have been able to been able to go to sleep that night but uh I did uh, and I was supposed to have a bed and had I got that bed from from my ex at that time I would be dead today but uh I wake up that morning water under me and I do what all sane, normal, rational people do. I grab my dope first and then my phone. And I go to try to figure out what's going on. So it's a little 800-square-foot house that a guy that came through my program had. And he just he, he let me come stay there. But uh, I go to uh, see what's going on in the house. And I go into the kitchen and back into the bedroom. And by the time I get back in the bedroom, water's about halfway up to my knees. Like what that, what is going on? So I get anything that's important to me and uh, like pictures from my grandmother, just any, any sentimental, anything that's sentimental to me. And I try to put it up high, you know, to, for safekeeping. And uh, when I get back into the kitchen, water's about up to my waist now. And uh, I, I called my mom in the beginning and told her, you know, that, that I was freaking out. I didn't know what was going on. And then I get up on the Island in the kitchen and uh, I call my mom back, and uh, as I'm calling her, I'm like, you know, freaking out. Like, mom, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what she's going to do. She's in Central City, Kentucky. I'm in Waverly, Tennessee. So, uh, um, all the next things that I'm going to tell you, all all this happens simultaneously. So I see a refrigerator float past me, uh, smoke coming from like in my peripheral vision, and the house literally comes off the foundation with me in it, like. I literally feel the house move and uh, uh, the wall that I'm facing gives way. And um, I'm assuming the way of the water and I'm ejected from the house. So right at that time too, like, and again, all this is not like right at one time. I, there's something outside the ha that house that um, look, looked to me at the time and you, you got to realize where my brain was, but like, it looked to me like, a structure of another house. Um, okay, Stevens, you're welcome for me throwing structure in there, but uh, <laughs> but uh, there, the structure from another house that that's like uh falling down, it looks like a war zone. And I hit it and and uh get a concussion, I'm almost knocked out. 
I'm literally fighting for my life at this point. I'm sucking up under that and uh, I can't get out. Like I'm taking in water. I, I really am resigned to the fact that, I, that I'm going to die. Uh, and I just start praying, man. Like, and uh, something and, and nothing but the grace of God is what, is what I say. But uh, somehow I get pushed out up in under that and out of that. And uh, I end up literally for the next, I don't know how long, but for a, a, a half a mile is, is the, 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 the length that, that I, I fought like I, so I was swimming, fighting off stuff, uh, and being rushed by this, by the current of the water, um, just trying to fight off everything and, and get to safety. And, um, finally, uh, I end up at this, there's an old feed store in Waverly and it was a, a big store with like several columns in front of them. And there's a guy holding on to one of the, the poles. And I hear people up on high ground trying to give us instructions. They, they were just telling me to, to hold on to that with him. And um, so we do. And and then about that time, this truck comes barreling toward us again. This is water, all making this stuff happen. Boats floating past me, cars like, uh, and, and again, I wish you could put pictures up. I've got pictures of my car on a building like this, like the, the tail end of my car is up on the top of the building with the nose in like that. But um, so I. I'm at that feed store. We're holding on to that. This truck comes barreling in towards. I think I'm gonna. I'm done again at this point. And uh, we're able to somehow, man. We're able to like guide it in to us, and it just stops right there. We climb on top of that truck, on top of the. There was like a, an awning of it, so the roof of that awning, and then there's a, a higher roof as well. So we're up there, and um, he's freaking out. Like, what are we gonna do, man? Um, uh, one lady comes like floating up. We help her get up there. And, uh, this, this, and I'll probably cry again when I tell this man, but, um, she floats up in, and I remember like praying. And as I, as I raised my head up from praying, this woman, and I, I'd obviously already seen her. We helped her get up there, but her face is busted and she's got nothing on, but, but, uh, a shirt and her underwear. I'm literally in a, um, my underwear in a, in a, a polo shirt. And, um, she, she says, son, I don't know what your Bible tells me, but, but mine tells me that we're two more together that he'll be in our midst. And she started praying the most beautiful prayers and singing like beautiful hymns. And like, I felt at peace, man. I, like I, I, I felt like I was going to be okay. I had no idea what, why or how, but, uh, uh, another lady ended up floating up. She didn't have the strength to get up there. We, we finally are able to pull her up there only to find out that she has stage four lung cancer. Her daughter is across, uh, across the, the street. She had climbed up on top of a uh, tractor trailer. Uh, the guy thought that his family was gone. Listen, man, 21 people died that day in the floods of Waverly in, in, in uh, August 20, 21st of 21. Uh, what ended up happening is, um, you know, it obviously rained, but it, it a lot of rain fell really fast and uh, a levee broke and like an eight foot wave, like literally came through and ravaged the whole town. Again, this Waverly is about two or three thousand people. And, and you know, uh, it was two thousand, ten percent of the population died that day. Um, but uh, so a helicopter ends up coming and rescuing us off the top of the building. And um, I. I get to safety, this, this sweet little couple, um, 
uh, ended up getting me some clothes to change into, fed me, and, and I just remember passing out. But um, the, uh, sometime later, way later that day, they ended up getting a staging area at a, at a Baptist church, and they uh, they take me over there, and uh, whenever phone service comes back on, I don't remember how long it was. I have no concept of time during any of this. But um, I, I called my mom back, and um, I told her to call my director of operations uh, at Safe Harbor. And uh, and then I, I don't know why, but I, I told her, I said, don't do that. I said, all they're going to want to do is want me to go back to work there, and I need I need to work on me. So I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that wasn't it. Um, so, um, so I sleep on an army cot for a day or two, and the guy that had the house um, ended up finding me there. Uh, and the Jackson, you'll, you'll think this is funny. Uh, you know, Cindy Parton from the, that comes to all the shows, Cindy, you know, Cindy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So she ends up like, she ends up putting it all over Facebook that, you know, cause my name was on the missing persons report and she was like, y'all, is this the Troy Beasley? And Chase was like, who else is going to name their, their kids? <laughs> but, yeah. Literally, like she ends up coming down there trying to find me, and, and nobody knew where I was. But so it's it's hit Facebook now. Everybody's freaking out. And um, uh, the buddy that I was living with came and found me there, and he was like, "You're going back to Safe Harbor now." And I I, I was ready to fight him. I, I was like, "That's not what I need to do, bro." I said, "I don't have the answer. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going back there." I said, "You know that, that place saved my life, and I I love that place. I still work with them today, but." I knew that's not what I needed. So he said, what about hustle recovery? And I said, call Troy right now. And the other Troy, um, and, uh, Troy lived, uh, about two hours away. And within two and a half hours, he was there to get me. I had met Troy when I was running safe Harbor. He, uh, he had a friend overdose and die. And, um, he was really, you know, in his feelings about it and uh, made a Facebook post about like, look, I'm tired of watching my people die. If you or, or anyone, you know, needs help, call me look and and about 20 days in that like it, it took off quick but he started getting calls about 20 days in and uh people were like i hear you can get help help people get into rehab he was like that's not what i'm in at all <laughs> but he you know he he knew that he had to try to do something so he started calling people and uh it was during covid and and and, and he called every treatment uh center within a, two, a 200 mile radius and um i was one of those calls and he said uh Hey, my name's Troy. Uh, I'm, I'm a recovering addict. I'm tired of watching my people die. That day was met on the phone by me. My name is also Troy. I'm also in recovery and I'm tired of watching my people die too. How can I help you? And uh, he just wanted to, to figure out how to help people get in treatment. So Troy came to get me and uh, um, I always get emotional when I get here too, man. So like, so he, he came in and picked me up off that army cot and Gave me the biggest hug I've ever had in my life, man. And uh, again, I, I knew that I was going to be okay. I didn't know what plan he had set out for me. I didn't know any anything, but he uh, he had a, a sober living house. Uh, he took me there for the night and then got me into treatment in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, at Commitment House. And while I was there, for the first time, even like when I ran Safe Harbor, I didn't do things the way that they need to be done. Like I, I uh, tried to rush through it all and and like do it my way instead of taking suggestions from other people. And, and that's why I ended up in the situation I did when my, my granddaughter died and all that happened. But 
So I got up there and I was, I didn't have to worry about work. I didn't have to worry about anything, but recovering. And I put that work in. And, uh, so I get there, it's in August and about October, he called me. He was like, man, I want you to look at something. All right. What do you got? And he sent me the, the pictures, uh, of this property in Jolton, Tennessee. Um, uh, and I was like, what do you got in mind, man? And he said, I want to, um, run a recovery sports services uh, center out of this uh, with a back to work program. And I'd like for you to be a part of it. And I was like, Troy, I said, I'll help you. I said, I'll be an advisor or something like that, but I can't go to work back in the recovery field full time. And, uh, um, so you know, we start talking through things and, and, you know, uh, making plans. And then, um, once I finish LP there, uh, I go to a sober living house up there. I had no plans of coming back down here, like none whatsoever. I wanted to start my life back over there. And, uh, I got back on my ex for a while and, uh, I started coming down here on the weekends. And one of the weekends I was here, he invited me to come out and look at, at, uh, what is now the kingdom. And when I came, like, I could just feel like, I, like, this is right, man. And I, I still, I just wanted to help him from a distance. I didn't want to dive back in head first and I, again, be trying to do things my way. But, uh, so, um, he showed me the property, made me an offer and it was, it was the best offer I've had since I've been in this line of work, a very, very good offer. And, uh, actually I told him when he made me the offer and I'm not going to tell the, the number obviously, but when he made me the offer, I was like, bro, I said, that's too much. I said, if, if I'm running your business, I'm going to run it like mine and you can't afford to pay me that right out of the gates. I said, let's start. And I gave him a smaller number. Let's start there and work toward there. And, uh, he was blown away. He was like, man, I, you know, I don't think I've ever had anybody undercut me, he said, but that makes me respect you that much more. So fast forward to today, um, hustle recovery has helped 17 people get into treatment. Um, and We'll find you placement with hours. We'll get you there. We'll come get you. We'll come get you trap house from the you know, your baby's mama's front yard, um, wherever we have to, and we'll get you there and try to remove any barriers that we can, so you can actually focus on your recovery. Through doing that, we've been able to acquire uh, five properties, uh, and most of well, all of the properties have come in the last year and uh, no two years. He got the first one in June of 21. And uh, during that time, we've acquired five properties. Um, I ended up, Valentine's Day of, of that year, I ended up uh, getting T-bone, taking somebody to, to uh, a treatment. And um, I, I, I moved back down here. I got a job at Gibson Guitar. I was doing pretty well. But uh, I got T-bone and messed my neck up. And there was no way that I could uh, do that kind of work anymore. So I called him back. We were already working together, but I called him. I was like, man, I said, I, I really need to come, uh, stay in one of the sober living houses until I can work through this neck injury or whatever. And he said, this is crazy, bro. Like I was literally, he was literally picking his phone up to call me when I called him. He needed me to come run that, that, that for him, which if you're running a sober living, like it's not, a full-time job. Like you just need to be able there to collect rent and make sure people are going to meetings and stuff like it's not a full-time job, but he, uh, 
he said, uh, I really think, you know, that this is God showing both of us that you're supposed to, to run the kingdom. And it didn't even have a name yet. We had, we had acquired this property, uh, an $800,000 property, a 32 bed facility. And, uh, he said, you're really supposed to be running this. And, and I, I knew then that I was. And, uh, so I came out here and, uh, we started in August. Um, today we house, uh, 35 people. I have a staff of, uh, four here um we have employed today we employ about 50 people um we have the capability of housing 70 people we've got uh so this place uh and then a female house national city and then we've got a male and a female um place in uh in antioch from what we've done here at the kingdom we uh we've now turned all of our houses into that and um more Vince is super successful with all of it. Like we're already in the black, like, and like I said, I just, we've got our first graduating class coming up this weekend. Um, all of those guys have, have gotten a full-time job, which they work for us at, at different partners where we're getting them hired on full-time. They've all got about $5,000 saved up in the bank and uh, got a real shot at life, man. I went on from uh, being the director here. Now I'm the regional director over all five properties. And, uh, well, for the fifth one, we're doing something else with. But uh, uh, I have a total staff of seven or eight at all the properties. And uh, you know, we're, we're, we're having a lot of success, man, watching a lot of people recover and, and get their lives back. That's awesome. Uh, so what I was going to put into that is because in this business, as in most of the businesses like this, yeah. addiction rate is like super Ooh. duper high. Uh, it's like, it's actors, like uh, anything in the entertainment field, uh, chefs, uh, anything like a high stress. So like, man, you are like to where you are right now. You are like, uh, the perfect person to be (laughs) kind of around the business because like it, it happens because you're running those towns, uh, four, four days a week, some four, five, six days a week. And they always fall into these like habits. And I mean, man, you're. I know that you're doing that thing, but like, I feel like you're a, a, a good addition to the business in the whole because you're an ear that's already been through it and you can give I, some good advice done. to people. That I can show people that it could be done and still do that too. Look, I don't take many bookings now because like, I, I can't go back into that, that world full time. Like I have a, a phenomenal life now that is that the wrestling is now my, uh, you know, uh, part-time job or whatever, you know, I, I, I take about two or three weekends a month. Uh, I still do some boxing stuff, but I've had high, high profile people reach out to me. I would dare say their names, but reach out to me for help. And, and, uh, some of them have helped some of them. They, they, you know, once I tell them what, what they got to do, they, they don't want it, but I don't, I don't, I've never like shove recovery down anybody's throat or, or, or any of that stuff. But, I, I just hope that I can show people that it can be done in this business too. Uh, wrestling will always be a passion of mine. I'm always going to be involved at, on some level, but uh, it can be done. You just have to make sure that that uh, God and your recovery are first, and everything else will fall on the line, man. I, you know, it. Uh, yeah. It, and I and I wanted to do all this again because they say I had a good time during my WWE run and 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 all that stuff. I don't remember. Like I, I barely remember any of that stuff. I, I do have a lot of stories, but 
you know, uh, the one of the only memories I've got is that, you know, I, uh, when when you and I talk about me being a WWE, I was the first announcer for Deep South Wrestling when when they opened their developmental territory in Atlanta or McDonough. But um, and uh, I told people for a long time that I had to leave for medical reasons. The truth of the matter is, is that I showed up to a show uh, out of my mind one night. Uh, Sean Schultz was with me. Um, uh, I can't remember if anybody else was with us or not, but Bill DeMott, uh, Hugh Morris, for those of y'all who don't know, uh, head WWE trainer for years, called me out in front of the whole locker room um, and about me being high. And I, and I admitted to it. And, um, you know, I had uh, worked Jody Hamilton, the assassin that ran the power plant, uh, to, to uh, give me money to go get a script. And I just, I did way too much. I messed up the whole show, and uh, instead of me facing that like a man, like I, I didn't go back. I, I, I went back after, a long time after, and, and mended those fences. I still talk to, to Bill some today, and I and up until Jody's dying day, I, I would talk to him some too. But, um, you know, I almost destroyed any relationship that I have, and I, I've built them all back and then more now, but uh, – I wanted to do it all again with a clear mind and uh, you know, the brotherhood that we have, like uh, it, it just, um, I love that. And I respect that more than anything in the world. And I just wanted to do it with a clear mind. And so like, and I said, we'd come back to it. Perfect example. Cassie Riley had his last, uh, his last match uh, this weekend. And there was no way I was going to miss that. I would have never made that no end for anything in the world before, unless I was booked on it. And, um, there was no way I was going to miss that. Like I told you earlier, Cassie's one of the first one that, that showed me around here and got me the forever hardcore. Uh, I helped make that documentary, all the hardcore homecoming um, shows, like all that before. Actually, I was doing that stuff, working for WWE on a project that Jeremy Borash and Shane Douglas were running. So, um, and uh, so I want to be able to, to be there today when, when I should be and, and going down there and doing that this weekend and uh, trying to keep Chase as, as tame as possible. Um, but uh, when had a good time in, they, they put on a, a match for the ages, uh, um, both left their eye on the ring. Uh, you know, just a little peek behind the curtain, but you know, all of us crying, man, like it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. That's what, that's what I'm here for in the business today for moments like that. And, that Rockwood crowd, I love coming up there for that, man. I, uh, You know, I don't miss any of those shows uh, because that takes me back to when wrestling was wrestling, man. Ox Harley is a phenomenal promoter. Uh, Jesse's doing a phenomenal job on the talent end of things and got a good little group of, a good little group of young up-and-comers that uh, that are hungry for the business, want to learn, and, and a hot, hot, hot crowd that that uh, I love to perform in front of and, and uh, you know, they're now a, a, a part of my family, as you well know, like that, that, that wrestling family for a lot of people is the only family that they have. That's not my story, but it is very much as much a, a part of my family as any other is my blood is. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to finish. Out. I'm going to leave you with one last question. Okay. So this is, this one, sometimes people just breeze past, but what would you like to be at the end of the day? At the end of it all, what what do you want your legacy to be in professional wrestling? Like, what do you want to be remembered for? Man, that's tough. Um, 
So it's kind of changed, man. Like back in the day, I just wanted to be a star. Like it was all about like how much attention can I possibly get today? It's, I, I want to be able to help the young guys, um, you know, learn the business. And if I can help them with contacts or, or just advice or anything like that, I also want to be um, there for anybody that's struggling for addiction or struggling with addiction. Um, and uh, just be a, a good, solid person, man, a, a good representative for the business. Um, I wasn't for a long time, uh, um, but, you know, uh, today I, I just want to be a, a good representative of the business and and uh, put on the best show that I can. I want to plug one thing real quick. Uh, in July, we just had our first Wrestling for Recovery event in, uh, in January. Over 650 people were able to let, raise uh, a lot of money for Hustle Recovery and the Quentin Clark Foundation. Um, and uh, we're going to bring it back in July. Um, we're in negotiations with several people right now really trying to work toward like Billy Gunn or, um, or Dustin Rhodes. I really want to do a couple years of shows of, um, of somebody that's in recovery, a headliner that's in recovery that can come share their story and uh, just put on a, a great night of a, a, a cheap wrestling action for people. So yeah, I just want to be a, a, a good representative of the business and uh, leave it in a better place than I found it when I, when I, you know, when I got here. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, brother. Thank you for uh, coming on here. This part two will pro so I'm going to do this Wednesday. So this will be the following Wednesday because this was a good, uh, gotcha. a good, <laughs> I, I appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, ring announcer Troy Beasley, a man of Mr. Entertainment, as we found out today, and uh, a good part of wrestling and of where he can find a way to help all the people. Uh, I'll put links to everything. Send me everything and we'll put it in the, in the thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Jackson Black Show. Good night and have a good one. I love everybody. Good night, guys. Hey, buddy.